Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Mad Mac, my co-host, Sace. We're here at Light Talk, and we're going to be talking about NBA, but specifically how social media, um, specifically Twitter, Instagram, have affected the NBA, especially in the present day. Um, it's a very different landscape than it used to be in the 90s and even 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, now we can have players roasting players, fans roasting players. We can also have the opposite, though. Fans praising players, players praising players, um, coaches, GMs praising players. So I'm curious, like, what is your take on Twitter? Is it Do you think it's good or bad for the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question. Um, throughout the playoffs, we've seen, you know, players tweeting back and forth to each other. Throughout the NBA season, we've seen players going at it with each other. Uh, and just in the last couple years or so in general, we've just, you know, really seen the rise of Twitter and, like, mm. you know, seeing a lot of, like, top players or even any bench players, any NBA players, you know, they get out of the game and they immediately hop on, on Twitter. Um, Especially KD. Yep. Yep, exactly. Most prominently, you know, who we're going to be talking about today Kevin Durant, uh, John Morant, you know, Draymond Green. You know, these are some of the biggest Twitter heads. Of course, Kuzma um, has also been very active on Twitter. Um, and we're going to break down some of the situation, some of the some of their tweets. And, um, you know, you know, is this, you know, Twitter positive for the NBA um, in general? But um, I think, you know, it, it's hard to say if it's positive. Um, but what I will say is that it allows the players to interact with each other. It allows the players to interact with the media. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we didn't see this 10 years ago at all. Um, so it definitely allows for more exposure between the fan base and the players and the media and the players. Uh, whether that's good or bad is a, is a kind of a larger topic, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, it is hard to say because it does have its benefits and does have does have its down <laughs> downfall too. Um, it's really interesting because it probably is good in the aspect of it being good for marketing, you know, because it raises so much attention and so much more attention is given to like what they're saying at all times because you already have basketball players, whereas like even compared to football players, like you can see their face. So like in America, they're way more like well known. Mm-hmm. And this makes them even more accessible. Yeah, no, 100%. And, like, all, I think a lot of times, at least in the past, fans would go to the game, they would watch the player play, and then they wouldn't necessarily think about that player after that game. Uh, but now they go to the game, and then they hop on Twitter. They mm-hmm. send a tweet. They they um, tag that player. In some cases, they may even exchange tweets with that specific player, like we see Kevin Durant, he'll he'll uh, respond to a lot of fans, um, and mostly, almost all of his interactions with fans are responding to criticism that mm-hmm. the fan is throwing at, at him. And even in one of his tweets, someone asked him, "Like, do, do you respond more to like praise or hate?" And he basically said, "Hate every time, straight up." Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, obviously, you know, KD has a past with the burner account um, mm-hmm. he's really showed that he is one of the most sensitive one of the most sensitive nba players but also one of the most sensitive athletes 
in mm. all sports as well. What do you think prompts him to respond to all of these different tweets from really just average fans? Uh, I mean, he's a he's an NBA All Star. He's a you know multi multi champion. He's won you know multiple championships uh, mm-hmm. with the Warriors, of course. Has hundreds of millions of dollars. What what do you think really like triggers him or prompts him to get on Twitter consistently and just go at it with fans or even go at it with social media people in the DMs we saw him go, you know, really pop off a couple different times? Mm-hmm. What I think it's about is the fact that he's never really been widely considered as the best player. Uh-huh. I think that has always gotten to him. There was a magazine about it. I remember seeing it a few years ago when he was on the cover. It was about him. Like, I, I don't want to be number two anymore. And he's like talking about how he was always ranked number two in his life. And essentially like that has tracked like through his NBA career. He's always been number two, even winning with the Warriors. Now people are saying that they were winning more because of Steph. When, when they were winning, they were saying, Oh yeah, KD best player. But now they're saying Steph was the main reason they won. So even now he's being number two again. Um, so I think that's the main reason, but even still, like considering that, like there's only been like a few thousand NBA players ever. So I don't understand why it gets to him that much. Like I'm obviously not in the same position as him, but it doesn't really make sense to me why it bothers him so much What an average person thinks. But like when you have a platform that like bridges the gap between the average person and a celebrity and basically puts them on a level playing field, you see things like this. Because, like, there's no way this would happen 20 years ago. Like, this was just what it just wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, like I said before, with Twitter, it's just so, like, it's so easy to to read through tweets. You know, certain tweets, you know, that criticize KD will go viral. And then, of course, it comes up on his timeline because he's clearly, you know, searching up, um, you know, what what people are saying on Twitter about him. And he's clearly mm-hmm. sensitive. And like you said, um, he, he's sensitive about his basketball legacy. And mm-hmm. sometimes he'll act like, you know, I'm not worried about it. Like he's saying, like, oh, I, I've proven what I needed to prove. But you can just tell from the way he responds to criticism that he's still, like, not happy with his legacy. And he knows that, you know, he's – like you said, he's always been – he's never been the best player in the NBA – Mm-hmm. Um, LeBron was, you know, over KD for many years. And then um, right when, you know, LeBron, obviously he's been slowed down quite a bit. Giannis came up, chill, chill. took the crown. Yep. Giannis took the crown. Chill, chill. So we know this. And now I think this is even a bigger, like this NBA playoffs is even more damaging for Kevin Durant as mm-hmm. well, just because the Warriors just went back to the finals um, without KD, while KD just got swept with win one game. Exactly. He couldn't win a single game in the playoffs. I mean, that really hurts his legacy. There. Um, so, yeah, I think just, you know, sensitivity. And then, um, obviously, like I said, you know, he's been interacting with um, a lot of the media. Um, and I think we're, we're going to talk about kind of his interaction with – you know, Stephen, Stephen A. Smith mm-hmm. uh, most recently, um, just for a little bit of background for those who don't know, um, Stephen A. Smith was saying that uh, Steph Curry changed the ba- changed the game of basketball for the better and MJ changed it for the worse. 
Um, and Katie, of course, responded that, you know, guys like Skip, you know, Shannon Sharp are making have changed the game for the worst. Um, so there's a little bit bit of back and forth. Madison, and he said both Michael Jordan and Steph pushed it forward. Yeah, yeah. So, Madison, I'll let you start off. Just talk about kind of that situation and, and your take on kind of what went on there. Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with KD here. Um, I think it didn't make any sense to me what Stephen A. Smith said. Um, everyone knows Michael Jordan brought so much attention like, worldwide like to the game of basketball. So just mm-hmm. to say that he hurt the game of basketball is just a crazy thing to say. Um, mm-hmm. He said that he made it more individualized. And so you had players like Kobe and like Vince Carter. And like, first of all, Kobe, five rings. Vince Carter is like slam dunk champion, multiple all-star, right? Mm-hmm. But even looking at it, you have to look at it from both ways because, yeah, he made it more individualized, but also players played harder back then. They played, they would play every game back then. They wouldn't take games off. They would play defense back then. So you have to look at things from both sides. Like he would rebound. Like he could get fouled. He wasn't flopping. It wasn't just that it was more individualized. It was different in a number of other ways. And then, yeah, Steph Curry came and he changed the game for the better again by making players learn how to be more skilled and, like, be able to dribble, be able to pass and shoot rebound like do everything don't just come here with one skill because you won't make the nba now when maybe you would make it in the 90s but now you wouldn't make it because you need to be able to handle the ball so i i agree with KD, kd that it made no sense what stephen a smith said in that situation yeah i'm gonna be in pretty much agreement with you there he, yeah he's stephen a was basically saying that like you said mj made it a more like individual get you know, individualized game where, you know, players are going one-on-one. But at the end of the day, it's Michael Jordan. Is he really going to pass up shots that he could <laughs> score every single time? It makes no sense. Uh, he's a bucket. So, agreed there. And then just kind of going back, that was that was very recent. Um, that was like yesterday. Uh-huh. So we saw that um, June 1st. Um, just going a little bit back, there's also – still on the, you know, the KD topic, just because he has been the topic of conversation mm-hmm. since he has so much time since he got swept. Um, <laughs> but um, we, we know Draymond Green had a podcast where he, you know, he's talking about, you know, the Warriors championship, the role that Curry and, and KD played. And he's saying that, you know, you know, talks about Curry's lack of finals MVPs and, and why that mm-hmm. is. And more specifically, um, he points out that, you know, Stephen Curry was really the focus of the Cavaliers' defense. So they were – every time he brought the ball up, he was getting hit with multiple, multiple double teams. Uh, while KD – of course, they were still guarding KD, but he wasn't facing the double teams that Steph was facing. And, like, the game plan was basically all focused around Steph – Mm-hmm. which made it a lot easier for Kevin Durant to put up the numbers that he did and also win finals MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Katie said, responded back on Twitter that this was totally false. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll let Mad Mac, I'll let you, uh, you know, give your perspective on the situation. You know, did you think Katie was correct? Was it wise to respond on Twitter to the situation? What was your, your take there? So knowing KD, I feel like we all knew he was going to respond to this. Mm-hmm. I I disagree with KD here. Um, I feel like I think we all know that 
or I thought we knew that part of the reason he went to Golden State was because he knew that, that it would be easier for him to score in this system. Mm-hmm. Because he said the, the team plays team basketball and that I want to play the ball's flowing. I'll get more open shots, whatever, whatever. So he knew, yeah, maybe Steph didn't get double teamed seven times as much as you did, but they were game plan, they plan Steph. Whether that's because they want to do it because he's shorter, whether because they think Steph's better, whether because they think that it's impossible to stop KD regardless, doesn't matter. Like, that's what was happening. Like, I watched the finals, you watched the finals. We saw it happen with our own two eyes. Mm-hmm. KD had way more open shots than he ever had with the Thunder. It wasn't even close. It wasn't nearly the same. And Steph had about as many open shots as Steph usually gets, you know, around playoff time. So I do understand why KD would be upset and respond, though. Like, the seven times thing, I think, was a bit insulting. Um, but Draymond Green's a smart person. He's, like, in the media a lot now himself. He has his podcast. And KD seems like a pretty easy person to bait into responding to something. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, planned this or maybe hoped to get a response out of him. So, yeah, that's my overall opinion on that. Yeah, um, I, I pretty much agree with what you said. I mean, I thought it was just silly for KD to respond to this in the first place. Um, but, you know, I, I think what he was saying is just that that wasn't the truth, but it clearly was. When you are you go to the, the best team in the NBA with the two greatest shooters of all time, you go there because you can get better shots and space the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Playing, I mean, it's just plain and obvious. Playing with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green is going to make scoring a lot easier easier for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know what put him in a position to get really good shots in the finals and really good shots throughout the whole regular season mm-hmm. was because he had that spacing and the threat of all of those different shooters that Golden State had. Um, so I thought it was just a silly response from from KD once again. And again, yeah, it goes back to it. It seems like, like, why are you constantly responding to everything? Even though I do understand, but, like, to, if you respond, at least be accurate. Like, don't say it's 100% false because everyone knows it's not 100% false. Tyron Lue came out himself and said the game plan was literally to double-team Seth Curry in the finals. So I'm just, like, I was just confused as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll come back to kind of the KD situation. There's a lot to talk about with KD, uh, but we're just going to go back, you know, kind of to the, this kind of overall theme that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, obviously we're seeing a lot of the older players, but even of course the younger players, John Morant, Kyle Kuzma, um, those guys tweeting back and forth. Uh, we've seen some heated tweets from a lot of these, these players um, just mm-hmm. kind of going back and forth. At even one point, John Morant was tweeting back and forth with, uh, you know, Jonathan Kaminga, the rookie on the Warriors. Uh, so then, you know, just talking, talking shit kind of <laughs> throughout the, the that playoff series. Um, what do you think? those kind of heated interactions between the players while they're actually going at it with each other in, in the playoffs, what do you think that does to the series? Um, does it bring up the intensity um, or does it not affect anything? What's kind of your take on how it actually directly affects the players and even maybe the outcome of, of the series? Yeah, I think it definitely ramps up the intensity 
And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of social media and players being on social media is that seeing them get to talk to each other during a playoff series. Because at the end of the day, the reason there's so many fans is because we love watching them compete. We love the competition. So the more competitive they are, at least for me, the more entertaining it is going to be for me and the more likely I am to watch it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, in my opinion, I mean, I think the tweeting, you know, at each other, going at it, I think it's actually, in most cases, very positive for the sport. In my opinion, the NBA has gotten really soft Mm -hmm. uh, from where it was some years ago. So any sort of, you know, tweeting, you know, talking, you know, talking shit before the game, after the game, I think is going to bring up the overall intensity of the game and just bring a new level of competitiveness to the league. Um, so I'm really all for, you know, the, the trolling on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and I, I just think it's overall positive for the games. Of course, it can get out of line in some situations, but I think it's definitely uh, positive. Mm-hmm. Speaking of getting out of line, did you think um, – so we all know that after the Suns were – embarrassed in the game seven performance against Dallas um, in Phoenix. Pat Beverly uh, went on Twitter to take some shots at Chris Paul. So what what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, um, you know, we know, we really know, you know, Pat Bev's uh, kind of background. He's a gritty, tough player and he's known for talking shit um, throughout the game. He's an irritator. Um, He's an instigator. And when he went on first take with Stephen A, um, you know, he just he did exactly that. And, uh, you know, he really went after Chris Paul. uh, And we've known for some years that they had this kind of long term beef. Uh And I think the platform where he got to talk about the players become part of the media. He loved it. He loved the fact that he could have really just thrashed Chris Paul. he talked about his defense. Uh, he, he, he mainly talked about his defense, I think, um, mm-hmm. in terms of Chris Paul. And uh, I know Chris Paul, at least towards the beginning of his career, was you know considered a, a very good defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he led the league in steals for a couple of different years. Um, and he's still known as a pretty good defender. Of course, he's small, so he can be exposed, mm-hmm. especially when he's going up against a guy, who, a guy like Luka Doncic, who's – what six seven, so mm-hmm. Luca is going to be able to eat that up on defense, but easy. Going, yeah, exactly. Which we didn't really see much of these, you know, huge six seven point guards before. Mm-hmm. But I think you know if he's going up against a normal sized point guard six one six three, I think you know Chris Paul has been a pretty solid defender um, in most cases. Um, but yeah, in my opinion, I mean that was just Pat Bev being Pat Bev. And he, he took that opportunity and that platform to, to thrash Chris Paul. Yeah, no, I agree that it was definitely him being himself. I still wasn't a fan of it. Um, like, if they had been playing each other, I think it would have been a lot more interesting. Yeah. But I feel like the fact that he, like, waited right until after he lost was kind of like a cheap shot type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering, like, last year, Chris Paul had 40 points to eliminate them. And then, like, he pushes him at the, at the end of the game. It's like, you know, he's like so kind of salty. Um, so I don't know. It was just kind of strange to me because he wants to get he wants to get up there and say, 
oh, Chris Paul, like, folded in the playoffs, but then he's like, give James Harden the Supermax. So I'm like, well, and here's the thing, like, if players want to become a part of the media, you can't be biased towards players because you like them and dislike them. You know what I'm saying? Because they have the same issue with the media saying you don't tell the, like, the true side of the story. Well, you're going to get up here and do the same thing. So it didn't really make much sense to me. But then again, like, he does talk a lot of trash, so he could just be doing it for attention. Um, Because at the end of the day, we know that he likes to talk a lot to get attention. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, yeah, you know, for those who don't know, yeah, Pat Bev, that was also a big topic. He mentioned that he thought James Harden should get the super super max. And I thought that was just absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, James Harden, he was one of the worst playoff performers this year. Um, I remember his last two games, stat lines, 11 points, four rebounds. Game before that, 14.6 rebounds. Yeah, more than that. Those aren't Supermax numbers. Um, (laughs) And really not even close to Supermax Supermax numbers either. Um, And, you know, giving up – they gave up so much – for for James Harden, mm-hmm. um, like Stephen A was, you know, saying on that that um, that day as well, he's saying, you know, James Harden is a scorer. He's been one of the best scorers in the league for some time. Um, he's he was averaging 30, 35. Um, they didn't get him so he could average fifteen points a game. Exactly, and, and that's just not super max numbers. Um, so I think Pat Bev was super out of line with that, but it sounded like. Like you said, it sounded like he was saying, give James Harden the Supermax because that's my boy, Uh rather than give James Harden the Supermax because he deserves the Supermax because he Uh clearly doesn't. Uh Um, He's 32 years old, and he's been trashed in the playoffs just straight up. We we all watched the playoffs, and Maxi looked better majority of the time. Maxi looked better, exactly. Maxi looked better. There's absolutely no reason to give Harden the Supermax. Um, he's been – the thing is, Harden has never been very good in the playoffs, but now he's taken such a dip in his mm-hmm. play. Just overall. Just overall. The explosiveness, the athleticism, it's just – it's not there. And it hasn't been there, like, since he – initially when he joined the Nets, he was looking decent, and then it's just gone downhill from there since the uh, the hamstring injury. Yeah, you know, I do think, you know, I don't want to be too hard on him because of the hamstring injury. Um, because Harden didn't come out and say he deserved a Supermax, at least not that I know of. But <laughs> the fact that Pat Bev would say that is just wild to me. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, 100% there. Um, yeah, so we, we've talked about um, a lot. And, you know, obviously what we've noticed is uh, with Twitter and you know other social media outlets, there's more attention on the players who tweet. There's more opportunity for uh, the fans to also you know criticize, uh-huh. um, and it also just you know bridges the gap between the average person and the celebrity and a celebrity. I mean, if you mention a player and you're able to garner X amount of likes. You know, there's mm-hmm. a good good chance that that player will give some sort of response, probably a, a negative response, but it'll, you know, provide some sort of response to the fan. No, definitely. 
Um, like people mention LeBron all the time, like even now and he's not even playing, hasn't been playing for months. And like people bring him up all the time on Twitter for the clicks, like for the, for pe- people to just interact with the post. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Same with Michael Jordan. Yeah, no, exactly. Michael Jordan's not on there tweeting. <laughs> Twice the goat. But um, yeah, so I think kind of another kind of interesting perspective with the media and Twitter is just the fact that throughout the years we've seen like this hatred for the media from the players. Uh-huh. Uh, we see Skip, you know, Skip Bayless trolling. Um, we see Tim Wright trolling, Chris Broussard, Stephen A. You know, he's had some some crazy takes that hadn't been very accurate as well. Mm. Um, but now the players, I feel like with access to Twitter and these different media outlets are starting to become part of the media. Mm-hmm. And we've also seen like just the rise of all of these different podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Draymond, all the smoke. Exactly, yeah. We see Draymond. Um, we see Draymond with his, his new podcast. And, you know, Draymond, it's, yeah, it's still kind of unclear if this is, like, positive just because they're inspecting the game and their own performances playing in the playoffs or even the regular season. Um, so, in my opinion, it's still unclear if that's, like, positive for the players in the in the game for me i don't have an issue with them doing it as long as they do it like in a way that makes sense like don't get up there and then do exactly what you're publicly criticizing the media journalists whatever you want to call it for doing like if you're going to do this and just do it unbiasedly it's like i have no problem with what draymond does because usually he's not biased like when he mentions the warriors like obviously you're going to be biased to your own team so like i feel like people need to just get that through their head like you can't be upset if someone's defending their own team or or their teammate that's going to happen they're not going to be stupid um but besides that like if you want to be in the media you have to give an unbiased take regardless if they're doing that they're going to be watching film regardless analyzing their play regardless so if they want to do it in public that's on them to me Mm -hmm. okay fair enough fair enough um, yeah, that all makes sense. You know, another topic that I think is really important, especially, which is kind of like the overall climate of 2022 is also mental health. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've seen, you know, it's been a huge, you know, headline and storyline around Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first it was kind of like, oh, he's injured. And then towards the end of the season, it was like, wait, this dude is like, having some sort of like mental health um, problem and Mm -hmm. you know we were getting a lot of different information on if this was like serious or what you know that the true impact of it was with Ben Simmons um, because he obviously was getting a lot of hate you know dating back to the the playoffs where the Sixers lost to um, the Hawks Hawks, yeah yeah Trey Young and the Hawks in that series Mm -hmm. and he's just garnered so much hate from that series And it seems like I wasn't aware of this initially, but it seems like it has taken a big toll on his mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would you agree with that? Or do you think it's more injury prone or do you think what's kind of your take on, on Ben Simmons? I do think it's both, but at this point I do think it's mostly mental. When he first got injured, I don't remember his injury being that severe. And what I do know is that when he didn't, 
attempt to make that dunk, he had the ability to dunk it at that time. Yeah. Because he had done it before. So that moment there that started this whole avalanche, that was all mental. And that's yeah. the main cause of everything that's happening now. Like his back was injured. Yeah, we all knew that. And I do like I don't I don't I don't think he was just like sitting out after that. I think he might have let I think I think he really did like aggravate it afterwards, whatever he said happened. But the thing that like was odd to me was when he said or the report about him saying this came out. Um that like him being anxious about like how people perceived him on social media made his injury flare up like in his back. And I had never heard anything like that before. So like that to me is clearly a mental thing because like no matter how good your body is, it's not going to function correctly if your mind isn't in the right space. Um, and I think for him, like he clearly he wasn't mentally in a good space when he didn't attempt that dunk and they lost. And then he gets made fun of all summer on the internet, not only on the internet, but you have his, his own team and general manager calling him like trash, basically saying they don't want him. They want to trade him publicly and be like basically dogged him in public. Um, whether it's right or wrong, this is what happened. And so, like, it's not surprising to me when he doesn't want to play for them. What was surprising for me was that he still didn't want to play for the Nets. Again, like, I think he was injured, at least initially, but it, it seemed like he could have come back, um, like, in the round, in the first round of the playoffs. I could be wrong. Um, but to me, it seemed like he was postponing his return for mental reasons at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, good, a lot of good points there. I mean – you know, just dating back to the playoffs where they he, you know, didn't attempt that dunk because he was afraid to shoot free throws. You know, what what I will say about that is, you know, at the end of the day, we know Ben Simmons, he's been a pretty like he's been a pretty arrogant player. He's mm. he's always been like an arrogant player. Um, and part of being in the NBA, part of being in the spotlight is being able to be mentally tough mm-hmm. to respond to that criticism to get better each year. Um, and, Definitely. you know, he's getting paid, what, at least $30 million plus a year. He has a super max contract. Um, and we just – we really haven't seen any improvement from him as a, as a shooter or even as a player in general. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like year after year, it's like, dude, can you at least hit a couple free throws? Like, please hit a Some, couple free throws. Or, like, work on your mid-range somewhat. M- work on your mid-range, like – Players have came into this league, even Lonzo Ball, we know he really struggled with his jump shot, um, but he's worked on it and he's, you know, still not an elite shooter, but he'll take those shots and he can make shots from, you know, from time to time. And what we've seen from Ben Simmons is like, he's not working on his shots and he literally refuses to make, he literally refuses to make any sort of improvements on mm-hmm. his shooting at all, which of course is going to get the fan base infuriated for paying him super max money. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the starting point guard mm-hmm. and the number one pick also. Mm-hmm. And he's playing in an era when shooting is the most popular it's ever been. Exactly. Yeah. Shooting is so important. So it's like, yeah, I get he's six ten. He can, he can pass the ball and he can handle it. But if you can't make a single free throw, you can't attempt a free throw you're not going to win playoff games. Like, that's just the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. No. And it's tough to see. Um, and I wish he understood, like, people wouldn't be so hard on him if they didn't think he could be an elite player. 
Yeah. No, no one would care if they didn't think he had like tremendous talent, but I yeah. I don't I don't get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. So in my opinion, I mean, I know like Philadelphia was was super harsh. Uh, the media was definitely super harsh on him as well. Mm. But it's like at some point, it's like, dude, you also have to, you know, take accountability. You have to recognize you are in the spotlight. You're making millions and millions of dollars. And that's also part of the job is, you know, managing, managing the spotlight and just being a celebrity and being in the NBA. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's the case for him. And I also think we're noticing that players are, you know, some, you know, players think they can also just like not play throughout the season and still get paid, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I kind of felt was part of the case. He felt like he could hold out and, you know, just get paid as, as much as he's would get paid for not playing. Uh, Which I think is the case with like Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving too. Um, So that was kind of my, my perspective there. Um, But I mean, I do think that mental health and like the criticism on social media does, you know, impact players outside of Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I do think that as well, Um, especially when you see them going back and forth, like with Ja, Um, you went back and forth with that one fan in the deleted tweet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think. I think he was, um, gosh, with that situation, I think the fan was like, he was saying something about his girlfriend and then Jaw said, like, Jaw took it to the next level. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> don't want to say what Jaw said, but. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, Jaw was saying that the fan could get smoked. Uh, <laughs> uh, coming at him like that, which probably wasn't, which, you know, you understand he's mad, but, like, you have to understand your platform, too, and probably wasn't the smartest, mm. smartest uh, response to the fan. And I understand it's a tough it's a tough position to be in because he's like what like twenty, like he's definitely younger than us. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. You give these people like these millions, like millions and millions. He's twenty two years old, so you give him millions and millions of dollars, put him on this platform. Like he's still young, but at the same time, like you said earlier, like you, this is what they ask for. Like they know they're gonna be in the spotlight. So like when you're in the spotlight, you know how you're supposed to act and how not to act. Yeah. And just going back to like the social media and the criticism that, you know, all these young players get on social media, they see criticism, trash talked about them. I think for some players, it can give them an edge in the game and get them really hyped up for the game. And mm-hmm. then I think in some players, it's it's the total opposite. Um, they'll take that, that, you know, criticism to heart. And I think it can like, you know, really affect their game in a negative uh, you know, outlet as well. So I really think it just kind of depends on the player and how they're able to deal with that that criticism, which mm-hmm. is you know part of being in the NBA and and handling the spotlight. And that's part of being mentally tough. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And like even we saw with Russell Westbrook this year. Oh my like, gosh! Oh my gosh! Yeah, with Westbrook, like the the more of the spotlight that he took on and you know i think he uh he ended up coming out like publicly and just saying like stop calling me west west brook west brick west brick 
that no it, it's like dude why would you why would you come public and say like that's hurting you because then it's going to stay at more exactly the fans are literally doing that to get in your head and yeah they literally you literally just basically told them you are getting in my head like please mm-hmm. stop mm-hmm. and they're gonna just go even harder now exactly exactly and like i said you know westbrook also a very like known as a pretty arrogant player um and going to the los angeles lakers like this is the team that is like one of the most talked about teams in mm-hmm. the nba you're in the spotlight in los angeles and then you already have the russell westbrook name in the history and the different individual accomplishments so if mm-hmm. you can't handle westbrick i mean come on man like that's just ridiculous in my opinion and it's 100% true <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um yeah so um i think that kind of wraps up what we uh we have here regarding the media and how the impact on the players thanks everyone for listening uh we'll be back with more insight analysis uh with uh light talk here thanks so much peace